Anthony. Adam Jehoshaphat Flaherty. No, Adam Levine. That's oh, what you're right. supposed to If I call you Mark Anthony, you're supposed to call me Adam Levine. I didn't know that. I wasn't in on the joke. I apologize. Get with it, man. Get with the program. And by program, I mean modern dadhood. An ongoing conversation about the joys, the challenges, and the general insanity of being a dad in this moment. My name is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad to twin boy five-year-olds. And I gotta say, once in a while, just... And then you can introduce yourself. I still sometimes, I hear myself say, I'm a dad. And it still doesn't sound real. Why? Because you feel like you're about 15? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that. Anyway, who are you? Oh, I'm Adam Flaherty, and I'm a father to two daughters who are nine years old and six years old. For those listening, if we haven't uh, lost you yet, uh, <laughs> welcome to Modern Dad. Come back. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking out the show. This is a part two episode, meaning uh, our interview with our guest Chris Gethard was so awesome and ran so long that we've split it into two parts. So it was fruitful. It wasn't just long; it was fruitful. And so, if this is your first time checking out Modern Dadhood. Do yourself a favor and go back to the previous episode just to have a little bit more context. But if this is your first time, we welcome you. We welcome you to the show. Welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming. We would invite you to check out all of our episodes on our website, moderndadhood.com. And wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, please do take just a moment to give us a quick rating and a review. Tell a friend about the show that you're, you're getting into the show and really digging it. Uh, these things all go a long way for us. All right, enough of that. Adam, how was your day today? Today's Easter, for those Easter. of you counting. It's Easter. I, I ate too much sugar. Nice. Got a couple of peeps. You have any peeps? I didn't have any peeps, but I fell off the wagon a little bit today. You're basically a gym rat now, right? You spend like every um, other day, like it's some like workout routine, you yeah. know? I, I've been yeah. lifting. Do you, you want to see? Huge. Do you want me to take off my hoodie and show you what's hiding underneath? Nah. Well, use your imagination. <laughs> no, I can tell even with the hoodie on, man. That's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're swole right now, dude. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, played guitar for too long of a period of time yesterday, and now my back hurts. That'll happen. That'll happen when you're over 40. Yeah, oh God, that's another thing that sounds so weird. Well, as we were saying moments ago, uh, our guest for this episode is the fantastic friend of the show, comedian Chris Gethard. Chris is promoting his new book, which you can download or hear him uh, narrate on Scribd. It's called The Lonely Dad Conversations. It was an awesome chat, and we're going to get into part two of that conversation in just a couple moments here. My Easter was fine, by the way. Thanks. I was going to get to it after. I was going to get to it after the the music sting. (laughs) Mark, how was your Easter, man? (laughs) Oh, it was great. Thanks, dude. It was really great. Good. Did you, eat, did you eat some candy too? 
Um, no, uh, well, I did have two peeps, uh, only two because the first one tasted horrible and I hadn't had a peep well, in quite some yeah, time. Were you expecting it to be different? I mean, I just, it's been years since I've had a peep and I thought that tasted terrible. Uh, maybe that was just that one. Yeah. No. So I had a second confirmed. Peeps are, peeps are hot trash. Confirmed. Total, total garbage yeah. food. Well, and um, you saw the headline yesterday that they're like, loaded with like cancer causing chemicals oh, great that's awesome so happy i mean I had two people have been today. eating them for decades i don't know that these that these two that you ate today are going to do you in but did they equate like one peep is equal to like 10 cigarettes oh i don't read anything beyond the headline oh okay. i couldn't yeah, tell no, you that makes sense no, it was bad bad news though well peeps are hot trash and i won't ever eat them i don't think ever again um but that was it for candy. Some ham though and mashed potatoes and things like that no you know what I don't mind going on record here. Not a religious person. Uh, I went over to my brothers, also not a religious person. And we just took the opportunity to just hang, you know, we didn't eat food. We had some pizza. We made, made some homemade pizzas. We celebrate Christ with pizza. I don't celebrate Christ at all. (laughs) I just ate pizza. I mean, we didn't even talk about Easter or, or, the holiday or <laughs> the religious event at all. We just took the time to hang out. We had a good hang sesh. His kids were there, had some good laughs and, uh, uh and that was it. Well, here's a, here's a, a serious question though. So mm-hmm. your wife and boys are out of town. So Correct. you joined your brother and his family for the afternoon. What's it like playing with <clears throat> other kids, other kids in your family, right? Mm-hmm. when your kids aren't there was it weird i'm really thinking about that because i know i've known them for so long they're a little older so i've known i've known them for longer than i've known my own kids of course i know my own kids in a much different way right i mean and it was funny and just quick anecdote my my niece walked in she was at a friend's house uh, when i got there and came over a few hours later and she saw my car in the driveway she comes running she goes are the boys here are the boys here and then she just saw me and she was like oh shoot uncle mark did she go uncle mark wah wah boring but you know it it I don't know. They used to be little kids uh, running around and, and being goofy and, and little and getting wound up. And, and that stuff is kind of all leveled out. You know, they have their own interests and their own music that they love and their own movies that they love. And they're becoming people, you know. And so now, like today, we just all hung out. Well, I'm glad you got to have that time with your family. It was nice. It was very nice. Before we get back into the the Gether chat, mm-hmm. my wife heard the last episode and she said, um, I noticed that you, meaning me, I noticed that you were doling out some compliments to Jamie in that episode. But before Mark had a chance to say anything about me, meaning mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you moved on to the next thing. She picked up on that, huh? And I was like, uh, I was like, Mark started to say something and I tried oh. to try to weasel my way out of a legitimate explanation. But the truth is I, we just didn't really go there. We didn't go there. And so I'm hoping you might 
find it within the goodness of your heart to just throw out a few compliments to my wife throw, just throw to get me out of the doghouse. I could do that. Yeah, I can do that. <clears throat> um, I don't need to put you on the spot. Your wife, Sarah. <laughs> uh, your wife, Sarah, is is a she's a wonderful person. That, yeah, I agree. She's, she's um, the best. She's 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 very level headed. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I would I would say she's not an easily ruffled individual. Mm, okay, which is which is great in just about any scenario that you place that person as a parent. It's great to not be so easily ruffled. She yeah. and I, 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 I had the the wonderful fortune of working with her for some yeah. time a while back. Um, great in a, in an office environment where there can sometimes be some annoying things going around, some dumb internal politics, you know, all that kind of silly stuff. Um, great to have an even level headed individual, um, around. Sure. Sure. How about else you got more? Oh man. Um, just just like two or three more. Great sense of humor. Oh yeah. She's got a good sense. Like, um, uh, a little dry, not afraid to be corny. Right. Not afraid to laugh at something corny, which is great, admirable. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. sense of humor right there. Mm-hmm. Find find the joy where you can find it. You know? Right. Sure. Nice hair. Nice hair. Really nice hair. Yeah. She, she has a healthy, good, healthy head of yeah. hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I like this exercise. Now I feel like the scales are tipped a little bit the other way, and I'm going to have to come back with some nice just, things to say yeah. about Jamie, or she's going to be a little jealous. Yeah, you got to th- just think about it. We'll just do this every, every now and again. Okay. Yeah. All right, that works. Perfect. Jamie, I'll be thinking about it. I think where we left off with Chris in our last episode, we were talking about things like contemplating one's own death. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we were talking about things that you were guilty about. Yeah, I remember the guilt. I think we were talking about how you become really a lame version of yourself when you become a dad. All great, all great topics. All right, let's just get on with it. <laughs> what a dick. Can we talk about the concept of the backseat passenger? Yeah. I wonder how you guys felt about that. That was something, that was one of the things that a lot of the people I interviewed brought up their own version of independently. This idea that when your kid is born, dads, and this is not a great thing, Mm -hmm. but a lot of dads seem to share this opinion of, you know, if you are a dad who's with a mom and that mom carried a baby That means that baby and that mom were communicating in these subtle ways that are very primal Mm -hmm. and beautiful and animalistic in the best sense of the word, but you are left out of it. And I mean, my friend Jeannie, who's the mom I interviewed, who described it as saying, like, I felt like there was this alien in my house. Um, My friend Keith, we had to cut this part because, and he was like, you got to keep it. And it was very funny when he said it, but you will immediately see how on the written page... Mm -hmm. 
sorry to explain where he, he, he has three kids and he's like, I hate babies. He's like, I hate them. I think they're useless. They're worthless. They're not fun. When the kids get old and they can talk, it's immediately more fun. But I kind of hate babies. And I was like, oh, I can't figure out a way to print this without it feeling like you're a sociopath. Yeah. And you're not. Yeah. You're like giggling your way they're through They're not this. really contributors, are they? If we think about it. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down to my friend Jason, who has a, a part in the book that I really remember, too, of him saying, you know, he is so out of the loop that he was the one who I think used the phrase backseat passenger initially. And he described it in this anecdote that made me laugh so hard, but then I understood where he's going. We signed my kid up for soccer. I never played soccer. I don't watch soccer. My wife has no connection to soccer. I don't know where she found the soccer sign up mm-hmm. sheet. I have no idea. I would not have been able to track this down on my own. I was the one who brought him to soccer. He hated soccer. Mm-hmm. He flipped out. He felt so overwhelmed. All the people were picking teams. My son is crying. I'm watching him panic. Yeah. It's breaking my heart. At that point, he says he wants to leave, and I go, let's yeah, get out of yeah. here. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, what? A, what?" That anecdote does sum up something that it seems like so many dads feel of like, I'm in over my head. I don't know how to help. I wish I knew how to help mm-hmm. more. I can't contribute. And then on top of it, when I'm facilitating all these things that I don't understand, they don't go well and I just freak out and don't know how to handle it. And I just get out of there and have no idea how any of that came to be or why it happened or if I did it the right way, but I just rolled with it. And from the feeling of before they're even born, I feel a little left out up into deep into toddlerhood. I think a lot of dads feel left out. And, and, And I want to be clear in a way that... I don't think any of the guys I interviewed were necessarily complaining about it. And, and I have to be very clear too. I say this in the book. I don't ever want this book to be perceived as some sort of like men's rights. Here's how men actually have it harder. Everyone I interviewed was aware. It is a lot harder for moms yeah. physically, hormonally, time-wise, societal expectation-wise. We know it. But one of the things a lot of dads seem to echo that I, I don't know anybody have ever explained to me is like, hey, like you're going to feel like this fringe member of this mm-hmm. thing. And it's going to confuse you and at times hurt you and overwhelm you. And it makes you feel pretty insecure right. at times and pretty useless at times. And, and it can be awful. And I know for, I'll never forget it. One, one, when my son was very young, and I forget if this made it in the book. At, at one point she, my wife said to me, I don't have time to make coffee anymore. I know you've never been a coffee mm. drinker, but if you could just run the coffee machine for me so there's mm. coffee in the pot, it would mean a lot. And the first time I tried to do it, I immediately did something wrong where there was just coffee spilling out of the thing <laughs> all over the counter onto the floor. And I, I feel like I've never felt so useless of just like you asked me to do one thing that's pretty yeah, simple yeah. compared with all the stuff you have to do. And I immediately screwed it up and didn't get you what you needed. And then just stood there and watched this coffee pool all over our counter. <laughs> yeah. And then just kind of sadly cleaned it up and had to explain just, to you that I can't even accomplish Squeegee that. it into a cup and uh-huh. just hand it to her like nothing happened. It was just the most useless, just the most useless feeling. You, you use the example you know? of uh, of laundry in the book, and it's like, I, I need to do yeah. this one task, and I can't fucking figure out how to, like, clean these clothes using a machine that only has a few buttons, and it's it's 
going to clean the clothes as long as I can get them in there and press the buttons and I can't fucking figure it out. And I'm paralyzed with fear of like, I'm that feeling like I think a lot of us have as dads. And again, a lot of this is unwrapping the fucking 50. Sorry for all the cursing. I feel like you guys are a much cleaner and gentler (laughs) show than my awful Jersey upbringing allows, but it's like, you know, there's the whole fifties dad thing that we're still unwrapping where there were certain roles and you feel it come up of like, for me, I had a brother, my mom did our laundry. That sucks. Mm -hmm. And then I lived in New York city for a while. I dropped it off in the laundromat for years. And now I'm sitting here going like, I know how to do my laundry, but when it's time to do the baby's laundry or my wife's laundry, I'm going to push the wrong button and I'm going to ruin all this stuff. (laughs) And I don't want to do that. That's going to make it worse, not better. And I'm so tired of knowing, not even feeling, Mm -hmm. knowing I am someone who has made it harder and not easier through my incompetence. Mm -hmm. I felt that so many times and I still do all the time. And it sucks, man. And I suck. No, I don't think, I don't think you suck. The thing, you know, the thing is too, is, you know, I'm just thinking about the like fifties dad and then us now, and, you know, we might sort of screw some shit up and like bungle through some, some stuff. But I think there is the one big difference is that we do, we want to help, you know, we do. Mm -hmm. So my, my experience might be, uh, uh, just a little bit different, at least than, than maybe both of your experiences, simply because of the sequence uh, of, of, of events or the way things unfolded for, for when our kids were born, because first of all, there's, there's two of them. And then uh, also my wife had a C-section, but it wasn't the horizontal incision. It was a vertical incision, which was, it was just much more like invasive and it just, she had no stomach muscles and she had a hysterectomy at the same time. So it was quite traumatic, like physically. So right out of the gate in, in our little bubble that we were in, in the hospital room for, for, for several days, I couldn't not know what to do because I was the only one. I mean, if the kids were in the room and they needed to be fed and they needed to be changed, I had to do all of it. Um, because just because I, I, there was no choice, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even, it, it wasn't anything we discussed. It was just known, you know, that this was the thing that needed to do. Yeah. But even in those moments, there were still these times where, uh, I mean, I'll never forget this, this, the first time that my wife got up from the hospital bed after giving birth to go to the bathroom for the first time. Um, it took, it took four nurses and, and and there was a fifth nurse in the room that was this older sage, four nurses picking up my wife, you know, all these machines and stuff, all the stuff that she's connected to and her, her, you know, you know, a, a hospital outfit thingy just sort of like hanging off and this older sort of nurse kind of like directing everything in the background. And and all I wanted to do was get in there. Uh, all I wanted to do was get in there and get an arm around. And I was so fucking not needed in that moment. The last thing that my wife needed was me to, to try to get in there to fucking help because I felt like I wanted to help, you know? And, and I remember just sort of being in the doorway, sort of feeling like I was just shrinking down into this little speck witnessing this. Cause what I was witnessing was utterly beautiful, but I'll never forget that feeling of, 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 I'm looking at this amazing, wonderful thing, and I just have no business really being a part of it. So when I read Backseat Passenger and, 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 and 
you know, you're, you're talking about that in the book. That was the first thing that kind of came into my, into my mind was that feeling in that, that moment. It's funny. Even what you just said though, of that moment of realizing like, oh, there's all these other women who understand their experience. Mm -hmm. They've seen it in their professional, professional capacity. Maybe some of them have lived a similar Mm -hmm. thing and can empathize in a way that you can't, but then you also say, and it made you realize you had to do the feeding. Mm -hmm. You had to change the diapers and that necessity creates this ability to just figure it out and slice through some of those impediments to, to build that bond with your kids. I hear that story and there's a part of me that is, I mean, very, very sympathetic to the fact that it sounds brutal and I wish that your wife didn't go through that and that you guys didn't have to rebuild in that way. But there's also a part of me and I found myself saying this to a few of the guys who, you know, told me about some hard situations of going, there's a part of me that's a little jealous Hmm. in that your connection with the kids immediately goes, okay, I got to figure out how to feed you. Mm -hmm. That took me a while. You know, I got to figure out how to change you. That took me a while. I I wish that that had been more instantaneous. I would have felt, it felt strange and shaky to me that that wasn't a quick process. I felt bad. And you had, it, it reminds me I would say maybe my favorite interview in this, in the book is similar in a way of, uh, I interviewed one friend of mine who's a stay at home dad, also to twins during the pandemic, they were born and he wound up teaching them sign language and they were good at it. And he got really into that. And I think with both fascination and a desire to help. And also cause he felt like it was cool they wound up learning over a hundred words in sign language and it is incredible. But when you think about twin language, mm-hmm. which a lot of people have heard about this idea that twins can communicate in ways that other people find hard to decipher. And with the pandemic, they weren't ever around other people. So there was never a necessity for words. And all of a sudden he realized he had painted himself into this corner where he, his wife knew a lot of it. But he was really the only one who had a full capability of translating what these Mm -hmm. two children had to say. And they had no need or desire to learn verbal words. And I will tell you, since the interview happened, they have turned that corner. Anybody who reads it will be happy to hear. Uh, I talked to him last week and they're doing good and they're catching up verbally. But I talked to him and I was like, man, it's, it's this hard thing where there's a pandemic And you're alone with the kids and you've painted yourself into this corner and you're worried about, oh, did I stunt their language? And I'm sitting here and going, man, how cool would it be (laughs) to be the one who had the secret language with the kids? I never had the secret language with the kids. I always felt like that was my wife, you know? And I'm a little jealous, even though what you're describing sounds like such a, such a specific pain in the ass that couldn't have happened Mm -hmm. at any other time in human history. I'm a little jealous. You're talking uh, about your friend Jersey Dave. Um, yeah, in yeah. The, I can't remember if it's that same section, but he talks a lot about guilt associated with being at home. You know, yeah. not being like the one, like the primary breadwinners in that sort of traditional dad role. I think there's there's a lot of great stuff there that I think dads listening will relate to. Um, I, so many of us are raising kids during this this COVID period, young kids. Um, so in my particular case, though, my oldest daughter is nine years old. So I had whatever that is, five, six years with her before COVID was a thing. The guilt that I experienced 
when she was really young was we were still very much in this like I don't want to use the phrase rat race like mentality, but like my wife and I both worked in an office from eight to five. And so we dropped our baby off at 715 or 730 at the daycare and picked her up at five or five thirty, brought brought her home and put her to bed. And I had a lot of guilt about that five days a week. We had this routine where other people were caring for my kid other people who I like don't even really know at all. And I had immense guilt about that. So when COVID happened, one of the benefits that I've personally been able to find is that I just got to spend so much more time with my kids that I didn't have before. You hear this a lot. You hear a lot of people going, I'm not happy that the world got upended and people died, but I like that I got to know them during these formative mm-hmm. years. I, I mean, I'm similar. Like I would have been traveling so much more as someone who's like paid a lot of my bills through acting. Those jobs generally take me away from home for weeks or months at a time. And I, I have actively made efforts to find other income so that I can just be home more and not have to rely on th- stuff that's travel based. Cause I'm, I am, there's a part of me that goes like getting, Getting to hang out with my wife and kid every day for three years, way more than I would have if the rat race hadn't been stopped. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I feel so bad and so guilty saying it, but I like yeah. it. I mean, at least it's brought more of an awareness to like balance and to self care and to you know being present. I hope so. I hope it has. I say being know? present. Meanwhile, and you talk about this in the book too. We're like all sitting on the couch, like staring at our phones, which is its own its own huge problem. Yeah, yeah. And our kids visibly hate yeah. it. I, I wonder if you guys have that as well, where my kid will be like, "Dad, get off the yeah. phone," and I'm like, "Yeah, you are completely correct. I wish I wasn't on this thing so much, and I'm sorry." Um, yeah. And we're even aware of like the brain chemistry part of it, like what makes us addicted to it. And we still can't shake it. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten into this sort of weird rut where there's so many instances where you're sort of like small periods of time. We're just like waiting to get to like the next thing, you know, it's like we ate dinner and then there's like a small period of time where the kids can play, but then we got to get upstairs and get bath time going. And then they're in the bath. So there's a small period of time and I'm filling these gaps of with just fucking mindless scrolling, you know, and it's, it is, it's that, that you get that serotonin hit, you know, and you think, well, the next thing is going to be the coolest and funniest thing that I'm, I'm totally going to share this, you know, with, the, and it's gotten to the yeah. point where it's like, I'm, I'm the time instead of just occupying that little time, it's bleeding out over, you know? And the weird thing is, is like, this is the thing that's like disgusts me is that I'll be mindlessly scrolling. And then one of my kids will come run around and really quickly look at the screen to see what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And I shut it off and, and put the, almost as if I'm like embarrassed by or ashamed of. And I wonder like, what, what is the signal that, that like, there's so many signals being sent to my kids at at that, that, but like, what is that signal of like, I can sit here and stare at this like this, but the second you do, no fucking Mm -hmm. way, Mm -hmm. hide that shit. You know, I think part of the rhythm of my social media, checking it in front of my kids 
was also established when he was young. And I feel guilty saying this, but another thing I feel bad saying that I don't think people warned me about enough was like, now we're at an age where my son's about to turn four and he makes me laugh. He busts my balls in a way that <laughs> the other day I told him to drink water and he looked at me and went, I'm already hydrated, dude. And I was like, you are three and a half years old. Why are you clowning me in a way that's making me actually laugh? You know, That's great. But in the early days, like it can be pretty mm -hmm. boring. Like when you're up with a kid at three 30 in the morning and you're not allowed to make any noise, yeah. Cause the kid's like almost mm -hmm. back asleep and is on you and you can't go back to sleep until the kid's asleep, but you can't fall asleep until they're mm -hmm. definitely asleep. Like, yeah, I'm going to have him in my left arm and I might look at Instagram with <laughs> yeah. my right hand and you get in that rhythm, you know? And even now I have to say like, for as funny as he is now, like my son really loves playing with matchbox cars and it's awesome. And it brings back memories for me, but he's an only child and he needs someone to play with. Sometimes they'll say to me, daddy, do you want to play cars? And we've already played cars twice that day. And I can't pretend as a 43 year old that it's particularly exciting for me to play cars for a third round for another half hour of like, let's zoom around on the couch cushions, making noises with our mouths. And sometimes I might drift off and check my phone in those moments. And he can, he's now old enough to understand, oh, I'm mm -hmm. bored and it hurts his feelings and yeah. that kills mm -hmm. me when I give mm -hmm. into that instinct to be like, yeah, dude, it's, it's, I hate to say it, but yeah. this game is boring and you're so excited about it. And I can feel how much of an asshole yeah. I'm being. And I'm so sorry, but I really needed to know what someone I haven't spoken to until college <laughs> thinks yeah. about the Mandalorian, you know, here's the thing that I do to make myself feel better about, about the fact that I'm, I'm scratching my kids back as they go to sleep with my, as you put it, like with one hand, but my phone, like my phone's in my other hand, rather than mindlessly scrolling through Instagram, I've convinced myself that it's much better that I, uh, I, I bought a subscription to the New York times games app and I'm doing, Classy. I'm doing like the, it's I'm doing spelling B. I'm doing spelling B to try to get the fucking panogram. And I've convinced myself that that's like, that's a much better thing. You're exercising to, your brain. Right. Yeah, it is. It is better. Yeah, it is better. Okay, thanks. Good. Validated. In some small it's, way. Yes, you're it's getting your phone-based dopamine hit through <laughs> culture. <laughs> through the old great right, lady. Right, right. I'm, I'm getting mine through a yeah. BuzzFeed link. So uh, all in all, the, the underlying sort of message of this book for dads listening is no, no matter what your fatherhood experience is like, you're not alone in those feelings. There is a moment early on in the, in the book when I knew that I was going to connect with it. And you've already referenced this at the beginning of our chat, but it's when you say back to the sad truth, part of loneliness is that straight up your life is a little bit lamer now and you are too. I think it's spot on. I think it's spot yeah. on. We're all way lamer than we were before kids. And I have to say to you, my, my friend, uh, one of the guys I interviewed, this guy I went to high school and college with, Mike D. We're still close. And for as much as I have in the book and in today's conversation, I said, like, you know, the baby boomers handed us a lot of stuff we have to unwrap. He did point out to me, he was like, you know, one of the things they did right was that they were cool with not mm. being cool anymore. Those baby boomers wanted to be parents and they became parents and they didn't need to dress in hip clothes yeah. anymore. They didn't need to make sure that they were still up on the latest indie rock. Like our generation does mm -hmm. kind of hang on to mm -hmm. some yeah. of those things. And he pointed out one of the things they did right was like 
their social life was like, let's all stand around a grill in one of our backyards. And then next weekend we'll stand around the grill in your backyard. And that's enough because this is fulfilling in its own right. He was like, for as much as we talk about them, they did get that part right of like, they were willing to let go of their youth in a way that's beautiful and commendable. So I do want to say it's not a totally anti baby boomer book. They, they did set some good examples too. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. That that feeling of we're lamer than we used to be, and people our age have a hard time accepting that. It's a hard one to swallow. It hit me that when I was reading through the book, so many dads talked about their feelings as something. They used the word like "think." I think I'm experiencing. I think I'm feeling. I think not. Yeah. Not that's cool. I know that I'm feeling this or I know that I'm experiencing this. And I, I don't know. It just, I don't know if either like Chris, I don't know if you noticed that as you were talking to people or I did not, but as you say it, I'm, I'm aware that it's very true because in the course of transcribing these interviews and editing them, I've had to go through it a million times. And there's a lot of, I don't want to say I have depression because that's a serious thing, but there's something going on akin to that. I even point out some of the analogies that come up are very useful, but as guys go, so if you think about Mm -hmm. basketball or like, if you think about old movies, this and that, and it's these roundabout ways people find to say things without totally committing to the fact that they actually feel them themselves. I mean, I think it goes back to something that Chris said earlier, which was just simply that we're getting better at this thing, but we've got room to grow, you know, and improve and and evolve still. And it's for as many guidebooks as there are, there's not really a guidebook, right? We don't know what we're doing and nobody ever has, but when you realize it's, we don't know what we're doing, you at the very least take a lot of weight and pressure off yourself in a way that is useful. And And I hope this book does that for people. Dads and moms listening, I can't recommend it enough. You got to check out the Lonely Dad Conversations. It's a a Scribd original. We will have links in the show notes for you to check that out, along with all of Chris's socials, his podcasts, uh, everything else. Chris Gethard will appear in the episode notes. Chris has been uh, so awesome catching up with you. I hope that you'll be our first guest to appear three times on Modern Dadhood. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Trifecta. I'm down. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Feels good to say all this stuff out loud and, and once again realize that I'm not alone in this. Feels very good. Thank you. You're the best. Thanks so much. You know what I think we should do? Are we at the recurring segment part of the show, Adam? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we are. You know what I think we should do? I think we should do a kisses and disses. Cue the music. Kisses and disses. Disses are bad. Kisses are good. You can hear both in modern dad. All right, here's how Kisses and Disses works. Uh, we choose a positive review of the show from Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. There are some. We're yeah. going to read that positive review. But because Mark and I tend to get a little bit, I don't know, egocentric. Inflated? Yeah. Overinflated? We're going to read you a negative review, too. Keeps us grounded. Okay. Oh, wow, this is really nice. <clears throat> Would you like me to read this? Yeah, go for it. 
This was a, a positive review given by username Dad03. I have to assume he has three children. The title is such a good podcast! Exclamation point. Five stars. Data3 says, these guys are terrific. They do an amazing job talking about everyday dad issues in a meaningful, funny way. Wish I could give six stars. Jeez Louise. Six stars? You didn't have to say that. That that is really kind. Really sweet thing to say. Data3. Thanks, Data3. Well, I'm flying high from that one. I'm way up there. I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and deliver. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and deliver our diss. <sighs> Embrace yourself because okay. you might not like this, Mark. Uh Oh, here's what Penny Loafer 1996 said. Great year. The subject. Decide for yourself. Decent show. Mm-hmm. Cool guests. Mm. But sometimes the amount of time it takes for these guys to ask the guest a question straight up hurts my brain. Hmm. It's like, reel it in already. Otherwise, it's great. But again, it's like, yeah, get to the point. I noticed this mostly with Mark. <sighs> Still gave us five stars. He gave us five stars? It's a, it is a straight up diss. Still gave us five stars. Here's what I'll say. I hate you forever, <laughs> but thanks for the five stars. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Did it take me too long I to say you, that? You got right to the point. You wasted no time. It's just, a, it's just a little dose of reality. This is good for us. Modern data cannot in good conscience guarantee the authenticity of negative reviews read aloud in the kisses and disses segment. Well, anyway, you've reached the end of another episode of Modern Dadhood. Thanks for listening. Uh, please consider leaving a uh, rating. It doesn't have to be long. The review. Well, the rating is going to be five stars. Leave us a five-star rating is what, we're, is what we're saying. Just leave us a five-star rating and a short review. Your review could be featured in a future installment of Kisses and Disses. Exactly my point that I was going to make eventually, but you know how I drone on. Uh, Wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, we're everywhere. We're all over the place. We're even right behind you. Do us a favor. Tell one friend about the show. One of your bestest pals. Say, hey, uh, Wilmer, you should check out. (laughs) Modern Dadhood. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Search in the search bar for Modern Dadhood, or you can go to moderndadhood.com. See all of our episodes there. You know what else we have there, Adam? Merch, t-shirts, dad hoodies. Every order ships with a free sticker. We want to say thank you to Casper Baby Pants for the music in Modern Dadhood. Also to Spencer Albee for contributing music to the show. We want to thank Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for mixing the podcast. Please check out Pete's services at redvaultaudio.com. He's amazing. He's a great guy. Thank you to our friend Chris Gethard for friend being of the show. our, our uh, first returning guest to Modern Dadhood. Check out his book, The Lonely Dad Conversations on Scribd. The link is in the show notes as well as links to all of his social media. Love him to bits. Love them to pieces. And finally, thank you for listening. Podcast.
Nothing matters.